0: All right, should we do? Should, should we get on with a new podcast or <laughs> <laughs> somewhere to be? does <laughs> it probably, take, probably takes about at least ninety minutes to record a podcast, and so I'm iron up bed at ten thirty. That's my. Fair enough. Have you got the heated blanket on, ready to uh, to be? I, I, I'll be honest. This episode is going to make me sound about a hundred years old, and I'm prepared for that. Dear Phil, some of the songs this week were too loud.
1: Hello and welcome to Eurovision in Isolation, your only podcast that's been getting you through lockdown and more with a hint of Europop. Uh, Once again, I am joined by four of the finest panellists that money could buy. Monopoly money, that is. I I have no actual money. Uh, We have Pass Go, collect £200. It's Alexander Smith. Ching Ching. Hi, Phil. It's the Community Chest. It's Dan (laughs) Irvin. Hello again,
0: Phil. Sakis Rua, surely.
1: You've won the beauty contest, claim 200 pounds. It's Minnie Meyer. Hi, Phil. Supertax, it's Simon Rickenback. Hi, Phil. So, this week we are looking at the most recent Eurovision to have been staged, 2019. It's not really worth us covering sort of important events of 2019. We're still suffering the effects, really, aren't we? What
2: was that, five years ago?
1: what i did hear though was that in late uh, 2019 there was a new uh, illness that was found uh, somewhere in in asia uh china sort of way uh, don't know really what happened to that though
2: it'll never catch on
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh right so once again i have picked five songs song number one comes from my recent Eurovision darlings of Spain. This is Mickey with Lavenda.
3: Alex Thank you Phil This is a Quintessentially f- Fiery fiesta Of Spanish flair Full of energy throughout It's a quite a fun song it, it does look like they've had A really good time making and performing this song Which is quite quite rare for us to cover on the podcast mm. um, It's sung in Spanish Throughout So I've got absolutely no idea Uh, what's going on. I'm assuming by virtue of the fact they've sort of nicked the set from Finder's Keepers. um, I'm wondering if maybe it's about a sort of house party. Um, I mean, if anyone else can fill me in, please, please do, because I've got no idea. Nevertheless, the crowd really bought in. It's a really energetic up-tempo number. Um, Quite enjoyable. Perhaps the only criticism I would get is that it's perhaps, it's a bit FIFA football video game. In so much as FIFA always seems to have one token song in Spanish, which is a sort of really quintessential, stereotypical Spanish song with lots of sort of light acoustic guitars, ding, 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 ding away, um, which maybe sort of belittles the seriousness of the song. But this was never supposed to be a serious song; it's it's a lot of fun. Well done. Um, I'll 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 fill you in on the
1: uh, of the context of the song. Uh, the translation is uh, the blindfold uh, and La venda is the blindfold fell already but it is a sort of upbeat song so it's sort of like the blindfold fell and uh, you see everything anew and fresh and it's sort of like so the blindfold fell already and only joy remained the blindfold fell already and new days will start It's not about a house party damn. Uh Dan, did you like this one? Yeah, I did.
4: Um it's a lively up tempo Spanish influence number. Um I talked on one of our early podcasts about my Eurovision trifecta, right? So firstly you have the cultural influences, and it's not Yoki Papai vibes by any stretch, but it's it's you know it's sung in Spanish with a heavy very hispanic style and it's like criticized the stereotypicalness of it a bit you know it's a bit maybe a bit mariachi doritos that's mexican i know but it's the same kind of sound um so it's doing a lot there it's doing a lot better than the average shall we say in that kind of category then we have the staging i um again as we've covered i think it's it's probably a little bit confusing this this house and this um killer robot doesn't seem to have anything to do with the lyrics. Um, I saw the same translation Phil did, and it doesn't really make any sense. But along with the use of these sort of bright pop art style colours, I actually think it works really well, and it's very memorable. Um, And then underpinning all that on the third category is, of course, the song itself, which is absolutely fabulous. It's very simple. I don't think overly simple, like what we had with Sakis last week but it's simple enough that it gets stuck in your head after that just one three-minute listen. So perfect for Eurovision, hits all the marks across all three categories, complete package.
0: Speaking of Yoki Papai vibes, can we just say, Phil, you've you've denied us some Yoki Papai vibes this week, have you not?
1: Yes, I have. Yoki Papai was, was back in 2019. And I'll be honest, I actually, I prefer his second entry. It, it, He doesn't try and rap in the middle, which is just a welcome relief. But he also doesn't have a disco milk churn, which I think the um, fans disapproved of because it didn't get through to the finals, I'm afraid. So it did much worse for him.
3: I'm I'm with you. It's a really lovely song. I just wanted to not make the final.
1: It it didn't bring enough to the table, I don't think. Yeah, I think the the the
0: problem with it was it identified that the problem with Jockey Papaya's previous entry was that the yeah. they had this dancing girl and she was boring. So they've got rid of her and now it's just Jockey Papaya on his own. And I don't think that I don't think that really identified what was why they didn't win with the previous
1: entry. Yeah um but back to uh mickey and spain i uh i do have some thoughts on the staging but uh rather than influence our panelists i I shall come to them at the end but uh yes mini
2: to me the staging reminded me of i don't know if you remember s club seven had a tv show back in the day
1: i do which one are you thinking of miami seven la seven hollywood seven or viva s club yes Uh, (laughs) we should say viva s club was actually set in barcelona so let's
2: assume it was that one that was the kind of vibe i got this this band all living in a house together except instead of a racist they were led by daniel radcliffe which was a nice twist and at one point they wheel out the automaton that wrote the song
1: so obviously i've been somewhat immersed in the in the eurovision world for the last few years um it it certainly was catchy um, i thought it um what it did really benefit from this year is despite my selection there weren't very many sort of poppy high energy numbers this year there's a lot more ballads than usual a lot more um slower things so uh, this actually closed the grand final it's a big five so that's not spoilers for you um and every time it finished you and every time they did a recap you saw the entire green room dancing around to the song it really uh was very catchy but it, it was probably benefiting from a lot of other slow songs in the running order
3: yeah the the crowd energy was certainly greatest for this song which yeah. is further evidence to that i think compared to the others that we looked at today
0: yeah, you can hear them singing along, which is
1: is not something you usually hear for Eurovision.
3: There did seem to be a bit more crowd
1: participation this year. I noticed that on the recap videos. It was uh, interesting, but uh, there we go. Uh, Simon, did you have anything more to say?
0: Yeah, well, growing up, I always remember Spain sort of sending pretty dreary and terrible entries. So I think this is a, a noticeable exception to that, really. I, I like the the interesting visuals and the sort of infectious vocals i don't some of the staging decisions i think are a bit odd i think they've they've got really good parts and they don't use them really well i think the the big sort of long man automata thing is a bit underutilized and i think the the leaning thing they try and do with it where they try and make it look like he's moving the house up and down i don't think really works um and i think the definite worst bit of this song is when does it get out a Go? Is it a GoPro that he yeah. gets out? And yeah. that for me just encapsulates all the worst bits about the Instagram generation and their perpetual inability to live in the moment. Um, but overall, I've really enjoyed this. Um, I thought it was a really high energy uh, and interesting number that uh, I would listen to again. You, you so, I mean, did. I feel like us. you are
3: the, the Instagram generation, by the way. I feel like that is us
1: no no way no way we're too old no we i think we probably are the instagram generation the kids younger than us are the tiktok generation simon
2: mm. sorry i was looking at my phone did simon say something <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> simon did warn us that he was going to sound old this episode and by jove he's done it um but actually uh simon makes a good point i Spain have had similar issues at Eurovision of late to the UK. They, you know, they are trying hard. They are sending pretty decent-ish stuff, and they seem to be continually stuffing up the staging. So um, in 2018, my favourite song going into the competition was Spain's uh, Alfred y And then the staging was just so lacklustre that even I was just stood there going... I just want you to do better. And, and honestly, I was I was disappointed by this staging. The music video was a big sort of street party fiesta, the national final, uh, which they run as a special episode of Fame Academy. Um, and so Mickey and all the other contestants were for, on Spanish Fame Academy. Um, he wasn't the winner. It's actually a guy called Famous that won it, but, um, but he won the uh, Eurovision Gala, As they called it, with lavender, and in that one he had sort of uh, lots of women playing brass instruments, and him sort of like bursting through the pack to sing the song in a bit of a sort of I don't know, a bit of a flash mobby vibe before getting up on stage. And it did just have a really nice um, sort of fiestery feel to it, and uh, it felt very different. And I was so disappointed when I saw this on stage because the house has nothing to do with anything um i don't get the robot either um the gopro malfunction didn't work uh i I just think it let down the song in the staging really but the song i love and the other thing that i do love and i don't know if any of the rest of you picked it up was the uh wanky dance move
4: and to be clear this is wanky in the literal sense
1: yes so (laughs) 52 seconds in Oh, oh he's a he's a full-on rister <laughs> <laughs> right so we will commence with the only thing that ties these podcasts together week after week the dues and nil point so any is this anyone's favorite song this week
0: yes phil i'd like to give this my dues bar i i just thought it was really infectious i really enjoyed watching it i liked the bright colours they appeal to my sort of limited attention span that i get as being part of the instagram generation
4: (laughs) anyone else yeah um, i really like this one um i often listen to these songs with headphones on while doing odd jobs around the house with this on the playlist this week the washing was hung out in record time and in super style top marks
1: and nilpoise anyone detest mickey and what he brought to the table good predictions right this week our songs have finished in 6th ninth, 10th 22nd and we have one non-qualifier that finished in 15th place so dan (laughs) where do you think this one placed
4: um i'm gonna back it and say it finished sixth i really like this one
1: okie cokey right then we move on to song number two song number two comes from the island nation of australia uh this is pop opera music star kate miller heike and her song zero gravity gravity the first word you have to say is wow the uh, staging that australia have bought this year is out of this world literally she and two backing dancers are on large uh, vertigo poles from gladiators now that ladies and gentlemen is this week's niche reference. niche niche there's basically large swaying poles that on gladiators they had to transfer from one to the other. In this case, they are just flying around on them and, and dancing a little bit and singing in Kate Miller-Heike's case. I think it's an incredible feat that she is singing what sounds to my ears, at least, like quite a challenging song to be singing. Um, and it hadn't always been planned that way uh, in the national final because Australia had their first ever national final. In 2019, um, she was in a in a large dress on a platform and just had one of those backing dancers sort of dancing around her. It, it kind of told the story a little bit better. The the backing dancer felt like a an inner demon a little bit and that she, Kate was shying away from. But the scale of having the singer on a big vertigo pole is uh, is too much to deny. I think it's brilliant. Australia's first national final was really great as well. They had uh, Courtney Act, they had Shepard, who had a big international hit with Geronimo, uh, and the absolutely incredible Electric Fields, um, who probably should have ended up going uh, with 2000 and whatever, which is an absolute anthem. But uh, but they chose Kate Miller-Heike, and I don't think she's let Australia down at all with this one so let's see what the rest of the guys think simon
0: yeah i certainly wouldn't say she's let australia down um certainly gives a new meaning to the word pole dancing though (laughs) i think the visuals are good i'm less attached to the song i think I think um, i think when it's it starts poorly and takes a while to get going i would like to have a moment though speculating on, like, how do we think the pole is attached to her?
3: <laughs>
1: Simon. I expect the likes of Alex and Minnie, and, and to an extent myself, to bring the podcast down. But really, Simon.
0: I didn't mean like that. I mean, is there is there some sort of seat? Yeah. Is, it, is it sort of... Somebody's daughter, Simon. She
2: She's very so really
3: high-pitched, though. do <laughs> disgust me. Well, I, well, yeah, she is very high-pitched. But I, I was similarly wondering, you know, where does the warbling end and genuine terror begin as she sort of wobbles about <laughs> on that thing. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I, I can't disagree with anything that you said, Simon. I um, yeah, I do find the song uh, a little strange. I think uh Popra is a very acquired taste in music. But I mean just the scale of what they bought, I just it just has to be
2: applauded really. Um, Mini do you like it? Yeah, I was similarly awed as you, Phil. I thought the production was really impressive. Wicked meets Mad Max: Fury Road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is an Australian film. She was very Australian Adele or Adelaide, if you will, or, or Kate Bush, baby. <laughs> and I, I like Kate Bush, so I really liked that kind of uh, witchy vibe. Dan.
4: <laughs> yeah, Greta Thunberg's Mum, Eat Your Heart Out. This is a much better example of using an operatic singer in a Eurovision-friendly pop song. Kate Miller, Hate key Nails Every Note for the complete three minutes, putting a, in a 10 out of 10 performance, really. But for reasons I kind of struggle to place, I don't really like this song. Um, maybe it's just that I don't get on with the singing style. I mean, I'm not seeking out opera music in my spare time. Um, but more than that, I think the whole act comes across like a music video. Uh, it's too over-the-top perfect for Eurovision. The work they've put in with the polls is obviously excellent, but surely the singers aren't operating them? Are they like some kind of machine spinning them around or something? No, I don't know. No, no,
1: no. They're, they're, they're self-powered.
4: Okay, fair enough. But that's not actually very clear from the act. Um, no, fair. But then there's the bizarre shots where the globe has been clearly video edited in to hide the poles and what the fuck is going on there? Just show us how it looks in the arena. You're doing enough cool stuff. You don't need that. Um, and then just to cause the whole thing into question as to whether uh, the fact that she sounds so perfect is because it's all pre-recorded lip synced, taking the wool away from our eyes, that actually this impressive spectacle of a woman 12 foot a pole singing is actually well, a little bit of a, she's a big fat phony to quote family guy. Um perhaps this is to be expected from Eurovision's newest country, but for me, I just don't feel like it's in the spirit of Eurovision Alright
3: uh, Alex, agree? Uh, I thought I was going to be the only dissenting view on this one but uh, I'm with you Dan, actually I think, you know there's no denying the immense production value and skill that has gone into choreographing a song like this but um, let's not get away from the fact here is a song contest. And this loses a serious number of points for me because it can't decide what kind of song it is. Popra is a great way to describe it, but you know, I couldn't decide, is it pop? Is it opera? Is it Enya? At the end, where is it, nothing's holding me down, nothing's holding me down. That, that's a little bit like that Katy Perry song, Raw kind of thing, you know, it can't decide what it is. The polls when you initially see them are very impressive uh I think towards the end, the polls swaying flailing about it looks a bit gimmicky if that's if maybe that's a bit unfair, but no, I'm with Dan I think you know we've throughout this podcast we have seen a steady escalation from singing and a song contest to a singing and dance contest to a full on performance contest, and I do wonder. Um, you know a little bit like in the formula one they've kind of you know there are so many rules now that they're just kind of there to be exploited i do wonder if they might have to introduce some rules at some point to scale it back to the point where you know if you're going to allow this what's to say that in a few years time we don't just have full-on acrobats singing popra with metal thrown in as well just because why the hell not
1: i'm i'm i mean i'm i'm shocked Yet certainly the performance aspect has been uh, moved on in recent years. But ultimately, she she has done that live. She's she's sung that song up a giant pole. There are there are live backing vocalists that you can hear, especially when she really starts sort of motoring on the pole a bit more. And she's sort of vocalizing uh, like Davina DeCampo. But, uh, you know, she's she's really up there and she's really doing that live yeah i i'm all for the stage show and the performance that's i think that's what's elevated the eurovision song contest in recent years from dreary black tie event in the uh royal albert hall sort of setting to something much bigger the the cultural phenomenon that it is today
2: i think so too and i think nothing should be off-limits for a eurovision performance bring on the acrobatics i say and actually if the eurovision movie had had uh, stuff like this stuff that was genuinely one step beyond what you're used to it's been more entertaining
1: yeah if this had been two years previously i think we'd have seen will ferrell and rachel mcadams up, up some poles, so to speak uh right uh deux poids anyone really like this one
2: Yes, Phil, I'd like to give douze to Kate and her bloody poles going over there, taking all of our Eurovision points. I mean,
1: all of our Eurovision points. We came last this year. It was, I would say, a sad day, but frankly, we're quite used to it now. Um, and any nilpoirs? Lovely. OK, so one vote in favour of Miss Kate miller um predictions simon where do you think this one came
0: Ooh, tough one uh, t- top 10 i'd say but not as high as six so somewhere in that ninth tenth area okay alex
1: yeah thanks um song number three song number three comes from the winner two years previously this is portugal This year, Portugal have sent Conan Osiris to the competition and his song translates as mobile phone, Telemovis. this, I hope,
2: Minnie does. Thank you Phil. A man who's come straight from his shift at KFC with his beard still in a net, and a man who accidentally came in the same outfit so hastily discarded his jacket, seeing a modern dark-sounding electronic number with a lot of interesting cultural influences, including The Wizard of Oz. Dan said that the Australian entry was almost too perfect for Eurovision. I think this seems almost too cool for Eurovision. It's uh, almost defiantly uncatchy.
3: What what do you mean by too cool? I think what Minnie might be getting at is there is a scene in The Simpsons, which I feel like is what this song is. Um, It's in the Simpsons episodes with the B-sharps where Barney hooks up with the sort of Yoko Ono, Characterization and they go to Moe's bar and Barney orders a beer and the Yoko Ono character goes, I'll have a plum floating in perfume served in a man's hat. <laughs> that drink order is what this song is. When the rest of the contest is like pints of beer and glasses of wine. Wanky. Yeah.
1: Yes, it's I I think this is this is styled as as art. I think I think they want this to be seen as sort of Uh, yes an artistic piece whereas you know this is a cheesy pop music competition uh simon you you like wanky so you should be the target audience for this
0: yeah and i do quite like it it's not my favorite um i think it actually as with as with spain maybe it's something about the iberian peninsula but for me portugal don't produce many good eurovision entries no they don't um even even Salvador Sobral found, uh, frankly, dreary, mm. uh, and yeah, I think this this song's a real kind of departure from their comfort zone, um, and it takes that journey into to higher art. That and I think that's what makes this a step up. Um, I really like the, the modern meets old kind of contrast. I think the ballet performed in the modern trainers is quite striking. I think the one thing I don't like about this is that I don't like the. Shall we call them female vocals? Like,
3: oh, yeah, no. ah!
0: yeah, that. I'm not sure. That's. I don't think that's appropriate for Eurovision. Maybe. Maybe that makes me. Again, maybe that's you know the old man
4: Simon coming out. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay.
4: Um. Dan. So Conan Osiris has travelled forward in time to the distant year of 2020, and brought back the fashion of the people he meets there on his face. It's a mask worn exclusively around the chin. The people <laughs> of 2020 believe that this symbolic piece of clothing will prevent them from contracting a deadly respiratory virus, while also allowing them to chat to Karen in the Isle of Tesco. <laughs> Do I get Yoki Papai vibes from this? Mm. I guess so, but... Ooh. Yeah, I know. Ooh. But that's the only thing it's got going for it, so... The song is limp and, frankly, just plain weird. As we've already said, there appear to be some sex noises made by an unseen presence while a topless drug addict appears to be having a seizure. At the end, Conan collapses on the steps as if he just put in the performance of his life, which really doesn't say much about the rest of his music career.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, I have to say, I I really am not a fan of this. Like it is. To me, it's a, a load of wanky nonsense. I, I would summarise it as being the sort of thing that if you saw him doing it on a street during the Edinburgh Fringe, you would walk the long way round the road just to avoid walking past him and him asking for money in his hat. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yes, not a fan, but have included for the sake of diversity. And, and it must be said, this song has many, many fans. This was an absolute fan favourite. And there were... There were people horrified that it didn't win. I thought they were all way off if they thought this was going to do anything.
2: I will partially agree with Simon. I think it's musically interesting and well made. It doesn't have a melody, which is uh, an interesting choice. So you can see why it wouldn't do well.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. People talk a lot about gimmicks and art and and all that stuff but I think more than anything you I don't think you'll find many or any Eurovision winners that didn't have uh, a musical hook you've got to have something that ties you into the song like uh, I think Lordy is the great example it's it it transcends just being a heavy metal rock item performed by Monsters by the fact it's catchy and you could still sing it as a pop fan, you can sit there and go rock and roll angels, bring thine heart, rock hallelujah. It, it sticks in your mind. Whereas this one, other than me going, I don't know what else that song does at any point. And I've listened to it about five times this week. Um. So, uh Poir, anyone like Portugal and Conan? no nilpoise anyone find it overly arty and farty
4: yes phil um it's um pretty limp and forgettable uh having mentioned him earlier yoki papai will be rolling in his grave which as it turns out is in the green room because he's performing this year
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, predictions alex where do you think this came
3: I would hope it doesn't qualify. There were some interesting parts to this song. I think if they had focused a little bit more on the singing element, it might have been a really sort of intense song, sung in its native tongue, that might have crept into Yogi Papai vibes territory. But as it stands, it's sort of 90 seconds of monosyllabic grunting.
1: I I won't have you doing down 90 seconds of monosyllabic grunting, otherwise my music career is down the pan. (laughs) And your sex life. (laughs) Well, that was Portugal. And so we shall move on. We shall go north. Let's go all the way to Norway. Norway this year are represented by the three piece band Kano. And their song is not a cover of the Gareth Gates and the Kumars classic, but it is titled Spirit in the Sky. Spirit there so I go to our king of high spirits S- oh sorry it's Simon
0: yeah thanks so. Phil it's uh, it's a polished performance from some Melody Grand Prix veterans mm-hmm.
3: um,
0: I think Alexandra does a great job here Tom Hugo perhaps a bit, a bit less so uh, and then enter stage right some ball guy who's this joker or should I say yoker it's former member of Sami Parliament and occasional Sami rapper, Fred Boulio. They come together, proving there's no I in team, although there are two in Kano, to sing an up-tempo, almost disco number about the struggle for equality, perhaps evoking a bit of nostalgia for Roger Ponter when the spirits are calling my name. Spirits in the Sky is not a showstopper,
1: but it's not stopping the party either. Dan, what are your thoughts on this one?
4: It's Nico Holkenberg, He's back. And this time, he's made it to Eurovision. Alongside the lesser half of Stella and Alexandra and a Klingon. <laughs> this is a really good song. Um, they're clearly experienced performers, Tom and Alexandra, and they've come together to make a very Eurovision-friendly attempt. I'm just a bit clueless about the addition of the third man. Um, it's not Yogi papai vibes by any stretch, because all he do does is sing in a different language. Um, It comes across very shoehorned. He's the third wheel into the Tom Alexandra show. Um, That's not to say I didn't enjoy every second of this song, including the bits that he sung. It's still a very good effort. I just think they were close to a winner here, and they missed it with a few poor decisions, I think, around shoehorning that third man in.
1: I, I mean, I have so many things to say about what you've just said, Dan, but the first thing that I can't go unchallenged is... Uh, how dare you say the lesser half of Stella and Alexandra for bestill my beating heart um, y- you know you never know whether that Alexandra Rotan is going to tune into this and I have to say Alexandra I love you Dan does, know, does not know what he's talking about apart from when he was the only other person to join the Ace Wilder fan club but we digress
3: you've upset Alex- him now, you've slagged off his girlfriend
1: yeah Man, <laughs> like not cool and you've you've slagged off Fred as well, and Fred is Fred is He's great. Bald I,
3: and Phil's bald. That's two <laughs> in a row. Okay. Man, fucking hell.
1: Yeah, look, if Alexandra is listening, she doesn't need to know I'm bald. She could think that I'm a handsome, suave Brit and that, you know, the world would be her oyster if she was to marry me. Uh, <laughs> but no, I do you know what? Like The first time I listened to it, this song was, again, big fan favourite. And I I didn't really, I wasn't really getting the fuss on it, if I was brutally honest. Um, But Fred brings the element of surprise. He comes out from nowhere and they're like, oh, and I, I think this song is a grower. I think I was, I had a very similar thoughts to you the first couple of times I listened to this, Dan. But like, it grows on you. I really enjoy Fred. I really enjoy the song. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan these days. Um, I
3: think Fred is underused, which is where I think, as Dan said, that we were nearly we nearly had a winner. And I think where maybe this song perhaps misses out on some points, in my view anyway, goodness knows what the voting Eurovision public would go for. Um, mm-hmm. But But Fred is sort of used in two second bursts up until about two thirds of the way through the song when they give him a 10 second burst. I think mm-hmm. if they would, if they'd perhaps, and I get it's difficult because there's three of them and, and two very uh, talented singers alongside Fred, but if they'd gone for the, uh, as we covered a few weeks back in uh, the Melody Festival in 2017 episode, if they'd done a sort of more John Henrik and Aninia approach and given Fred a bit more airtime, it, it might have sort of taken it from, oh, Fred, an element of surprise to oh and you know we've got the kind of you know pop and emotional bit sung in English and then we're going to go to this sort of really intense emotional bit sung uh by someone with Sammy Heritage you know it might have really really made to, to what is already a very enjoyable uh and uptempo medley to something really quite special
1: I, I yeah I, I I completely can can understand that and I, I should say at this point that uh Kano have now released an album um, called Octa, uh, and it is um, it's interesting. Fred, Fred is still that sort of diverse element that sort of he's almost there as the sort of rap break in the middle of every song as opposed to ever leading on any of the songs. But, you know, I, th- I, I quite enjoy the sound that they bring. It's... Um, it's a sort of high pop high techno but with with that culture vibe I yeah kano are music taste at the moment for for euro fans such as myself um mini what did you make of kano
2: yeah I think kano are a classic eurovision power trio they look like the hosts of one of the competitions have stumbled on stage to do a song mm-hmm. you have got Tom who's this kind of sting meets Ewan McGregor figure and then Alexandra Grande and Right Said Fred of course (laughs) it's pretty rousing stuff big chorus lots of pyrotechnics
1: yeah I think it I think it combines the sort of catchiness and epicness that you're sort of looking for in a Eurovision anthem let's do dues and nil pois so would anyone like to give this their douze pois today
3: yeah i'll give this my douze pois uh, it was a really enjoyable uh, medley of different um, vocal types and i think worthy of 12 points
1: lovely and uh, nil pois still quite a lot hanging out there anyone want to give this their nil pois no Okay. Predictions. Alex, where do you think this one's come?
3: I would hope best performing, so sixth.
1: Right. Who out there is ready for song number five? No one. Yeah. I don't think any of us are ready for this. But here we go. In 2019, Iceland have sent the band Hattari, who are self-styled as a Anti capitalist, techno industrial and punk rock, BDSM inspired collaborative performance art group. And this is their song, Hatred Mon Sigra. apologize for what you've
3: just had to listen to i mean i've I've, I've just had to listen to that for the third time so yeah well
1: panelists i can only apologize as well it was it was a hard decision to include this but i feel like we needed to get to the bottom of of quite what's going on here so without further ado i hand over to our our king of strange dan irvin
4: Thank you, Phil. Um, Well, not really, thank you, but... um, What would Eurovision be without the novelty entries? Unfortunately, while we do love them, the word novelty is much more of an insult than a compliment in the Eurovision context. This one is um, a bit like Lordy got lost in a particularly lurid part of Amsterdam. (laughs) Here comes Dan's dodgy take of the day. I do like parts of this, The bass-heavy instrumentals contrasted with the high-pitched vocals of the Legolas in his bondage phase. Uh, That's the backing (laughs) singer, not the main one. Um, I kind of found that bit quite enjoyable. But the lead singer's robo-Hitler-style screeching absolutely kills it for me. Um, With these kind of entries, it's always going to be a swing for the fences, going for an outside chance of a Lordy-style home run. Unfortunately, this misses the mark by quite a long way. It's a swing and a miss, a strikeout.
1: Yeah, not wrong. Um, uh, Alex, what did you make of this one?
3: Um, Well, like in uh, Eurovision Fire Saga uh, featuring Iceland, this is an Icelandic entry. And as in the film, where there is a staging mishap, I'm watching this urging the spherical sort of metallic orb in the middle of the stage to roll off a cage A cage. what
1: atmosphere it's another gladiators reference a cane a, i'm not going it's to our gladiators it. special
3: That that <laughs> sort of that sort of cage thing he's got i'm i'm willing that to fall off the stage and cause an enormous catastrophe ideally maiming the lead singer um look i've never in musical terms myself understood or appreciated or really known what sort of really heavy metal and screamo music is all about so for me i struggle with this one it's reasonably terrifying um you know eurovision is a is for me anyway an accessible family show for hundreds of millions across europe to watch and this within that context is horrific um i just I, I i really can't understand it it's horrible <laughs> um you know I, I i part of me is kind of wondering is there a kind of rage against the machine goes for christmas number one thing going on here where they've sort of deliberately chosen a really controversial and harsh act you know have, have they done this deliberately to kind of you know, shock, they really shock truly shocking all the voters kind of thing. Um, credit mm. to Iceland where it's due, they are a lot of fun in so much as 2019 they sent this and in 2020 they were going to send Think About Things, kind of mm. the most electropop, awesome. indie, woke kind of band you've ever seen.
0: Just feel like if you yeah. distilled the exact opposite of Dio Freya into one musical piece, it would be this.
1: Yeah, uh, and and it was quite a sight when they had Hatari hand over the Songva Kippenin trophy over to Daddy Frere. That was that was quite a sight to behold. Um, and just on on Alex's point of uh, I suppose what what they're singing about, uh, the song is a sort of demonistic, uh, hate-filled take on the world. But I think it's I don't want to say parody, but it's sort of in line with their anti-capitalist view. And I think it's almost a sort of sarcastic take on what will what will happen if that all occurs. So it's uh, the sort of chorus is hate will prevail. Every joy derail. Just treacherous illusion, fraud and futility. It's almost a Brexit anthem. Um, Simon, have I come to you yet? Yeah, so
0: it feels a bit like what a PlayStation 1 game would have thought the future was like. Um, (laughs) A sort of Mad Max Fury strobe. (laughs) Again, I don't want to sound like I'm 100, but yeah, with the strobing, the sort of blurring effect they do on the camera and the flames, I found it quite difficult to watch, to be honest. Um, I I didn't get on with it.
1: Okay, fair enough. Mini, how about you?
2: I've not known there to be this much cocaine in Iceland since they fired Kerry Katona. Uh, <laughs> I think Dan mentioned this the other week, but if your only exposure to rock music was through Eurovision, you would think it was all utter shite, unless you're Simon, I suppose. Uh, I guess if you don't like this kind of music already, then it's not going to do anything for you, but it's such a bad version of it. It's so. Nastily produced, and I guess that's kind of what separates it from the Portuguese entry, which is also quite abrasive. I thought at least the Portuguese one was musically well done, whereas this is just just noise and Davros on lead vocals.
1: Atari. <laughs> also, of course, worth noting that they they did get into a little bit of trouble at the Eurovision uh, final. They, as their final public vote result was announced, they unveiled a clearly very small and very smuggled-in um, flag of Palestine, uh, which was held up, uh, of course, to um, to offend and to make a political statement against um, uh, the hosts, Israel. Uh, for which they received a five thousand dollar fine from the EBU. So I, I come to our Irlande Douze Pois and Nilpois section of the show. So uh, any
3: Douze Pois? Thank God. We'd have ended the podcast there. We're wondering about how to end it. We've done it. There. <laughs>
1: um uh okay let's talk nilpoir then
0: yeah i'd like to give this my nilpoir film. i just think musically it hasn't really got much going for it it's hard to say whether it's like well sung or not i just don't think you you can really analyze it in that way and considering this is a song contest that sort of makes it a bit shit
1: yeah i i I agree i don't I, i don't want to sort of categorise screamo music and heavy metal music in this sense because I think some of it can be very listenable but um, uh, this one I, I struggle to listen to I have to agree. Uh, any other pois out there?
2: Yeah I'll give it my nilpoir. We say this a lot but a novelty entry or a satirical entry still needs to be fun and I don't think this was.
1: It needs to be musically sound. Uh, any other pois?
3: Yeah, it's nil from me. Difficult to add to anything that's already been said. Um, I, at the time, found it really uncomfortable three and a half minutes. When I reviewed it for this podcast, I found it another really uncomfortable three and a half minutes. And when you play this snippet just then, I was squirming and not in a good way.
1: Um, right. Uh, so three nil plus, that says as bad a rep as any song has had on the podcast because 16 episodes in we've still yet to agree on anything it's almost quite impressive
2: uh right predictions Minnie. where
1: do you think this one came
2: sorry i was looking at my instagram
1: (laughs) uh right so that was 2019 or what remains of it um do you want to know how these songs did Yes, please. Thanks, Minnie. In the position of non qualifier, finishing fifteenth in its semi final, was Portugal. Conan Osiris. Twenty uh, second place, like it or not, was Lavender Spain. No, That's very low. really, That's very low. Yeah. Very wow. Low. Tenth place was taken by Iceland, Håtari. Wow. (laughs) Uh, Ninth place was Australia, Zero Gravity, Kate Miller-Heike. And sixth place, and in fact winning the public vote, was Kano with Spirit in the Sky. So they got 331 points eventually, but uh, 291 of those points were from the public vote, winning it by... a a veritable landslide really with the juries just giving them 40 points it was a source of controversy because uh, Norway had asked to re-perform their um, jury performance because the a lot of the technical issues had gone wrong with uh, and not at uh, Norway's hands at the broadcaster's hands and the EBU just told the jury members to not consider the Uh, technical difficulties but um, given the disparity between the general public and the juries you have to question whether um, that paid off or that worked for them because it's a big old difference there.
0: Sorry Phil I didn't know that so they they perform separately to the jury?
1: Uh, Yes they do so uh, the dress rehearsals so for the grand final it's on the Friday night beforehand and effectively it's the night before on the semi-finals as well. They they do a run through and that is what the juries actually mark on.
0: It does feel weird to me that they're not judging on the same thing.
1: I think it adds a level of opacity to the show that it doesn't need. It, it surely must be possible for the juries to to vote and it be calculated in the same time as the televotes are. So um yes it was the netherlands that won this year duncan lawrence with his song arcade so in 2020 we will be off to oh wait no we won't in 2021 we'll be off to rotterdam uh, but as it stands netherlands still patiently holding their breath to host and to present a show to us but not on this podcast no we have another show next week And it's another special show. In fact, it's the only special show that has ever been requested of me. The other ones I've put together all by myself. But this one is a special request. And who am I to deny such a special request? We love the strange and the bonkers here at Eurovision in isolation. And one country brings the strange and the bonkers better and more regularly than anybody else that one country is Moldova so next week is going to be a Moldovian special where we cover five of the best Moldovan bonkers entries from the last decade and a half that they've been competing at Eurovision and bonus points for anyone that can tell me during the podcast where Moldova is so on that note, I'll leave you with your atlases and say goodbye to our four panelists. Goodbye. Goodbye. Aye. Was that just an I from you, Dan?
4: Oh, I may have unmuted at the wrong time. I'll do a, a, a retake. Is a pirate. Bye. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um,
0: Yoki, <Yucky> goodbye,
3: vibes. <laughs> <laughs> you did just someone just whispered Lavenda Vaca yo. I, I, I did,
0: that? yeah yeah i i i I thought i was about to say it so i thought i'll give it a quick practice (laughs) just to (laughs) just to make sure i don't wank it up so that's what happened there